Well, we're going to dive into a brand new series called Pray for a Change. Everybody say Pray for a Change. And let's just start out with scripture. And uh, we're going to look at several verses that are going to help us just get a good foundation on this. And we're going to spend about the next five weeks uh, studying prayer. And uh, maybe you say, well, I already know about prayer. I want you to forget what you know. Not really. I don't really want you to forget what you know. I just want you to, to refresh on all of this. And I really think that uh, we have some things that are going to motivate you in prayer, give you confidence in prayer. And uh, so I'm very excited about what will be happening during this. I've just been stirred in my heart, eager uh, to get going with this, with this series. Let's pick up in Jeremiah 33 and verse 3. And the Lord says, call to me. The Lord said that, call to me. You ever had somebody say, hey, give me a call. The Lord's saying, call to me and I will answer you. Now, let me just insert this real quick. We'll see this over the next few weeks. God has set up a covenant reciprocal response on a number of things. Sowing and reaping is one of them. If you do something, God's going to do something. Amen. And he said that if you call in the right way, he will hear. And if he hears, he will answer. He will answer. You can count upon that. Call to me and I will, you'll get a busy signal. Leave a message. Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Then in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, this is in the message. The message is a paraphrase, but it was put together by a scholar. And I love the way it reads on a lot of verses. It says this, don't fret or worry. Let me stop right there just for a second. How many of you since uh, Valentine's have fretted or worried? All right. How many of you wouldn't tell me? It's all of us. It's all of us. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, help me. Pray. Instead of worrying, what? Pray. Let petitions and praises Shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. How many of you know that some of y'all need to settle down, all right? To settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Can you say that's right? In 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15, it says, now this is the confidence. I love that word. This is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we've asked of him. Now you interpret scripture with scripture. So it's said that if you take a text out of context, it's pretext. And so it's important that we get the whole teaching of the Bible on prayer. And there are some verses that have been and could be, if you don't look at them right, could be construed that I can ask God for anything and he'll do it. Well, once we hit this verse and some others there, though, it says if we ask anything according to his wills. And so now that brings the whole standard up. You can't say, Lord, I love you. And I just pray for your safety and blessing today as I rob the bank and, and I will tithe. And, you know, how many of you know that's not going to work? That's not going to work. God's not going to violate his own character and his own, and his own uh, values there. And so we can ask anything according to his will. So it's really important that we find out what is. I mean, if you're, you know, if my grandson asked me, hey, hey, Peepaw, can you get me a cigar? And I love him. There's no question in my love for him. And I would say to him, I'll do anything for you. I would say that. 
I'm not getting him a cigar. Now, however, when I was four, my grandpa gave me one. He would sit me on his lap. He would do it to get a rise out of my grandma and my mom. He'd take a big puff and he'd teach me how. He's doing smoke rings and I wanted, I was trying so bad. And I'm like four and five. He'd be in jail today. But I'd tell my grandson, you know, I, I, buddy, there's nothing I wouldn't do for you, but there are some things I wouldn't do for you. You hear what I'm saying? And so prayer works. Everybody say prayer works. And the title here is Pray for a Change. And it's kind of a double entendre. It has a double meaning here. And let's, let's work with this just a moment. Let's lean this way for a moment. Pray for a change. Pray for a change. You can pray so that something will change. Anybody have anything that needs changed? Pray for change. And certainly that's how we want to lean into this. But I want to lean back on this side for a moment too. You need to pray for a change. Did you get that? You need to pray for a change. Instead of you worrying, fretting, panicking, reverting to crisis mechanisms, instead of you going around grumpy and agitated all the time, you need to pray for a change. And God has given us an incredible thing. He's he's given us, let let me back up on this too. I don't want to miss this idea here. When you are fretting, worrying, panicking, grumpy, it's evidence, it's an indicator that you're trying to do this on your own. Can I tell you something? This is no place to be on your own. I don't want to be on my own. I need the, the old hymn. I need thee every hour. I need you every hour. You know, in war, in anything strategic, you've got to maintain communication. And you've got to maintain communication with God. You can't have just people who pray for you. You need to know how to pray. Okay? And it's an indicator. It's evidence to all the rest of us. And now everybody does know because I just told them. that when you're worrying and you're all agitated and short with people and panicking and leaning on crisis mechanisms. And you know what I mean by that? Your crisis mechanisms are what you leaned on when you had pressure before you were leaning on Jesus. And sometimes people go back to leaning on those things. I know of believers that have fallen a hard time and suddenly, you know, they, they go back, you know, they're getting arrested for smoking dope. I said, when did you start doing this? I haven't done it for years. Now I'm doing it because I'm so worried. And it's like, you know, come on. It's a, tr- a trick and a trap of the devil. And I'm not making that up. That story I just told you, I'm not making that up. People do all kinds of stuff that re- revert back. Hadn't had temper in years. And all of a sudden they're just throwing an awful fit. Leaning on those old things. It never held you up in the first place. And so it's an indicator. This is no place to be on your own. And so we call to him and he will answer and he will help us. We have been given an incredible, powerful privilege to connect. You ready for this? To connect with almighty God. You and I can connect with the creator, the redeemer, who is also a heavenly father. And we can do that through something called prayer, something called prayer. Now, He invites us to this. He invites us to prayer. This is not like we're trying to get a contact with somebody so we can get a hold of God. God is saying, hey, I'm inviting you to pray. I'm inviting you to call me. I'm asking you to do this. I want this. In doing that, he set up a very, follow this, a very user-friendly system. Anybody can do this. It's a very user-friendly system. Um, how many of you like things that are user-friendly? 
Some of y'all still are troubled by technology. I'm just guessing that there's some of you still have a VCR at home sitting on top of your TV and it's blinking 12. Please don't raise your hand if it's you, okay? It's because you got the manual out and you just can't figure out how to set the stinking clock on the thing. Well, God has set up something that is very, very user-friendly for us. Listen, prayer is only complicated and confused by religion and the devil. That's where complication of prayer came in from religion. And, and please understand this. Religion is far different than real Christianity. Religion is about God, but without God. People that are kind of religious, I, I, I say it this way. They've got God's words, but they don't have God's tone. They don't have his voice. You know, and it can be very religious. You can almost, you almost feel it. And here's the thing about religion. You can get, you can get caught up in it and think you're doing the, the stuff and you miss the whole point. Or you're near it and it drives you away from, from the real Christianity. So prayer has become complicated and confused, first of all, by religion. And second of all, by the devil. And I honestly think that one of the devil's tricks is religion. So I'm talking about real Jesus, true Christianity, and God Almighty, the real and living God, has given you and I the privilege to be able to connect with him in prayer. Somebody say something this morning. God is saying, if you need anything, let me know. Have you ever had anybody say that to you? If you need anything, you just let me know. Have you ever said that to somebody before? Hey, man, if you need it, I don't care what time it is. You let me know. Well, let me tell you the difference about God. God means it. Yeah. He's like, hey, you need anything? I don't care what time. You, you just let me know. And then they call you and they go, are you kidding me? I can't believe they're calling. Kids, don't answer the phone, you know. But God means it. God is saying, I hope you'll get this. God is saying to you and I, if you need anything, let me know. He's expecting your call. He's wondering why you don't call on him. Over the years, I've taught this, and I still believe this strongly, that the number one problem with praying is we don't. Number one problem with praying is we don't, at least not consistently. James 4.2 says this, you do not have because you do not ask. Read that with me. You do not have because you do not ask, indicating if you would ask, you would have. And from time to time, and I'm just going to admit it to you, from time to time, I'm worrying about something, I'm working on something, and, you know, all my wheels are not on the track just right. And, and the Holy Spirit will remind me, and just bring that verse to my mind, you do not have, because you do not ask. And I go, Lord, I need help, I need wisdom, I need to know how this fits with that. And you know what, before you know it, it, it God will help you with that. But it's amazing, how, I wonder how many things we drag around And we could have just asked and God would help us. Amen. Now, my assignment over the next few weeks is to get you praying. Not just to get you to pray, but to get you praying. I mean, as in part of what you do. To get you to be a confident and humble prayer. Confident and humble. You should never get into prayer pride. That's the most ridiculous thing in the world. You know, well, I prayed for them. That's why that happened. You know, that, that is so ridiculous. 
Um, anyway, I'll keep going. Confident and humble. Uh, here's something we say around here. God answers a prayer. It still amazes me. People, people say, Pastor, I prayed, and do you know what God did? You know? And so here's what I always say. Never surprised, always amazed. It's confident, but humble. Never surprised. When you pray and God does something for you, you should not be surprised. What you will be amazed at is how he did it and that he did do it for you. Say it with me. Never surprised, always amazed. Confident and humble prayers. That's what God wants us to be. He wants us to be a people that are prepared, a people that are ready. Listen, I'm all about good news. I'm about the gospel. The gospel means good news. Uh, we're to go out declaring good tidings of great joy. I mean, this is good news, but the good news gets its context and, and its contrast with the bad news. And there's a lot of bad news out there. And I can't tell you that the rest of your life is going to be good news. I don't know what's coming down the pike in our world. Well, you don't need to worry about, you don't need to worry about, you don't need to worry about it if you would learn how to pray. If you would learn how to pray. God will give you everything that you need for life and godliness. But God wants a people that are ready. This is still earth. This is not heaven yet. God wants a people that are ready. Part of my responsibility as a pastor is to help to raise up a people that are ready. A people that are prepared. And you are not ready and you're not prepared if you don't pray. You've got to have that in your skill set. You are not road ready if you're not trained and equipped and know how to pray. But here's the good news. It's not that hard. And once you get it going, man, you're going to be a prayer expert. You're going to be so excited about prayer. Some people, you mention prayer and a life of prayer and time to pray. And they go, oh, that's so boring. And even if they don't say it out loud, it's like, it's so boring. Let me tell you, if it's, if it's boring, if, it's not, if you're not having fun doing the things of God, you're doing it wrong. Okay, you're just doing it wrong. And we're going to try to help you to get this one right. Amen. We want to teach you how to pray for yourself, how to get prayer for yourself, how to pray for others, how to pray for anything, how to pray for everything. Developing and maintaining a prayer life. Not just fits and starts, but a lifestyle of prayer. And there's three kinds of prayer, really, that, that we'll kind of look at. And, and it has to do with tense. And the first is reactive prayer. Reactive it's what a lot of people do. They pray because something has happened. Pray because something's happened. You better be doing that. And thank God that we can. Because now what do we do? Well, we're going to pray, first of all. So reactive prayer. And then there's active prayer. And that's just ongoing. You know, handling things as they come. Just, just ongoing. That's batting practice. Taking it as it comes. You know, active prayer. And then there's proactive prayer. That's where you're praying before before something comes, before something happens. And sometimes you don't even know what else out there, but you're praying before. And, and God is able to work and move and prepare some things uh, through prayer in that way. Speaking of praying before, let me just say this. Your future is paved in prayer. I want you to hear that again. Your future is paved in prayer. Say it with me. My future is paved in prayer. Now, again, I said this is not heaven. This is still earth. So it's not going to be all smooth sailing, okay? I mean, it's part of the terrain here on earth. In the, in the world, you will have tribulation, trials, frustration, distress, John 16, 33. But Jesus said, but be of good cheer. I've overcome those things. I've deprived them of power to harm you, Amen. having conquered them for you. John 16, 33 in the Amplified. So not everything's going to be just hunky-dunky all the time. 
But you don't have to worry about that because you have the traction. You have the off-road equipment. You're able to handle that. But your life, I'm convinced, could be much more better, much more smooth, less potholes in your life. If you would get the road of your life paved in prayer. So you're going to have to get out ahead of yourself in prayer. Let me, let me try to explain it this way. When you pray, y'all with me? Yeah. Somebody sleeping, pinch them good right in the ribs, right there. They, they get them. They won't, they won't forget that soon. All right. When you pray, you don't change the now. Prayer, praying does not change now. Prayer enters your future and prepares your future. So follow this. If, if I don't like my now, I need to pray now to prepare my future so it does not look or feel like now. So I should pray when? Now. If I like my now, I should pray now to prepare my future so that my now is preserved and increased. But you're... Future is paved in prayer. This is the 25th year of the church, and I so vividly remember, you know, the weeks and months leading up to even starting the church. And God had put vision in my heart and given me courage and, and helped and, and scared to death and all of those things. But I knew that I had to be out ahead in prayer. And in your life, listen, you got kids, you better be praying. Amen. You married, you better be praying. How many of you like food and finances and shelter and those kind of things? 17 of you. That's pathetic. <laughs> Could I ask that again? Okay. Well, then you better be praying. You better be praying. You better be getting out. Not Pray now and prepare your future that you walk into. God's with you, but God's in the future too. And I love it when God's just going ahead of you. Just... Amen. Let's look at a few incredible examples of prayer. Jesus. Jesus would slip away from everybody and he'd go pray at the mountain. And sometimes he'd get in a boat, find another mountain, sometimes find some trees. I like it. What Jesus would do, though, he would go and he would pray, and he would pray, and he would pray, and he would pray. This would be a place of prayer. This would be a place of prayer, a place of prayer. Jesus would go from place of prayer to place of prayer to place of prayer to place of prayer. Watch this. With miracles in between. We don't have fully recorded what all Jesus prayed. But I bet he prayed reactive, active, proactive. And Jesus was praying. And let me say this about Jesus. Jesus knew how to pray. But Jesus was a man. He was fully God who put on flesh, fully God, still fully God, and became fully man. Remember we talked about it at Christmas. He became the God man. He was the only one fully qualified to be able to hold hands with God and hold hands with man and reconcile them and bring them together. Philippians says that when he came, he emptied himself of his divine privileges. He put his superpowers on hold, so to speak. And he, put on, he took on the form of flesh, became a, a man, a servant. 
But here's the thing. He emptied himself of his divine privileges, but here's one thing he could not lay aside as he came and walked among us and lived in an example for us. Here's the thing he could not lay down, and it's this. He knew the Father. He just knew the Father. That's one of your biggest keys to prayer is know the Father. If my kids call me, honestly, they know I'm, I'm going to make something happen for them. You know, Dad, this just happened. Or, Dad, what do I do? They, they know my heart toward them. But our Father not only is, it, is his heart, but it's his unlimited ability and resources. And so Jesus, outside the tomb of Lazarus, he said, Father, thank you that you hear me. I know you always hear me. You know, he just knew. He knew the Father. And so Jesus went from place of prayer to place of prayer to place of prayer with miracles in between. What is a miracle? You ready for this? What is a miracle? It's God intervening. It's God coming in and doing something that you can't do. Anybody want God's intervening, God to do something? Well, then Jesus did this. What about you? We go from place of fear to place of anger to place of worry to place of this. And we need to go from place of prayer to place of prayer to place of prayer to place of prayer. Where are you going right now? I'm, I'm on my way to, to prayer. I've got to work first. I've got to do this. But, you know, it should be part of where you head constantly throughout the day. Hey, you're, you're, some of your coworkers take smoke breaks. Sorry if that was you. People try to get fashionable with it, you know. So. Hey, they can take, uh, listen, I'm really not mocking you, but think of the money you would save and how much better you would feel, okay? For real, I'm not, I'm not mocking you. But listen, they got smoke breaks, why don't you take a prayer break? And they're like, don't come over here, I'm smoking. You can go, don't come over here, I'm praying. Okay? Okay, I got to say this up. Please don't be weird, though, okay? Please don't. Don't take you some prayer shawl to work, you know. And, and, and. All right. Back to our message. There's a gentleman named John of Antioch in the 4th century A.D. He lived in Antioch in Syria. He was also called Chrysostom, which means golden mouth, because he was such an eloquent speaker and preacher. And here's what he said about prayer, and it is eloquent. He said, the potency of prayer has subdued the strength of fire. It has bridled the rage of lions. It has expelled demons. It has broken the chains of death. It has assuaged diseases. It has rescued cities from destruction. It has stopped the sun in its course. It has arrested the progress of the thunderbolt. There is in prayer an all-sufficient armory, a treasure undiminished, a mind never exhausted, a sky unobscured by clouds, a heaven unruffled by any storm. Prayer is the root, the fountain, and the mother of thousands of blessings. Prayer. And then there's a guy named Sir Isaac Newton. Y'all heard of him? It's kind of like the Chuck Norris of scientists. He invented the doggy door. We have one of those out on our screened-in area, but Alicia's dog never got it, never understood it. But anyway. 
He invented the doggy door. He invented the telescope. He invented the, the prism that reflects, uh, divides light into color. He's the one who articulated the laws of physics, of motion, of gravity, of momentum, of calculus. How I many know some people take things too far? <laughs> Here's what Sir Isaac Newton said. All my discoveries... All my discoveries have been made through prayer. And you're stumped on something? All my discoveries have been made in prayer. And then there's a gentleman named George Mueller. In the 1800s, he lived in Bristol, England. He was an evangelist. He was very astute. But he had a heart that just broke for orphans. And there were orphans all over the place. It is said that in his lifetime, he provided housing and care for about 10,000 orphans. When he died, the streets were lined with thousands of people that are now grown up that had been orphans. They lined the street to pay, to pay homage and, and honor to him uh, because of the difference he had made. He said this. Now listen to this and I'll read you a story about him. He said, I live in the spirit of prayer. I pray as I walk about, I pray when I lie down, I pray when I rise up. Here's what I want you to hear. And the answers are always coming. Wouldn't you want that in your life, that the answers are always coming? Let's just say it. And the answers are always coming. Listen to the story. The children are dressed and ready for school, but there is no food for them to eat, said the house mother of the orphanage as she informed George Mueller. George asked her to take the 300 children into the dining hall and have them sit at the tables. Remember, there's no food. He thanked God for the food and waited. George knew God would provide food for the children as he always did. Within minutes, everybody say minutes. Within minutes, a baker knocked at the door. Mr. Mueller, he said, last night I could not sleep. Somehow I knew that today you would need bread. I got up early and baked three extra large batches for you. I will bring it in now. Soon, wait a minute, everybody, everybody say soon. Soon there was another knock at the door. It was the milkman. His cart had broken down in front of the orphanage. The milk, he said, would spoil by the time the wheel was fixed. So he asked George if he could use some free milk today. George smiled as the milkman brought in 10 large canisters of milk that was just enough for the 300 thirsty children. Answers are always coming. Answers are always coming. Answers are always coming. He never asked anybody for anything. He never went in debt. He always had what he needed. And history shows that he nor any of the orphans that he ministered to ever went hungry. Answers are always coming. You say, okay, but these guys are like legendary. I mean, you got Jesus You've got Sir Isaac Newton. You've got Goldmouth John of Antioch. You've got George Mueller. 
These guys are legendary, and I'm just, I'm just me. I, I, I can't pray like that. Look at me. You would be wrong. You would be wrong. Because you measure by the wrong things of what it took and what it was about them. They're great because they did pray. Elijah, you ever heard of him? He called down fire. He split water. He did all kinds of things. And at one point it says that, and and to show unbelievers something, he prayed that it would not rain. And 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 he said, and it won't rain until I pray again. And he left it that way for three and a half years. And then he prayed again, and it rained, and the ground bore harvest. And the book of James tells us this about Elijah. Listen. It says this in the New Living Translation. And Elijah, get this, was as human as we are. As human as we are. You can pray. And you need to pray for a change. And you need to pray for a change. Listen, prayer does make a dent in this world. I don't think you heard me. Prayer does make a dent in this world. Prayer changes things. Prayer will change you. Prayer can change your home. It can, it, it can change your life. It can change your marriage. It can change your business. It can change. Prayer changes things. Amen. William Temple, he was the Archbishop of, of Canterbury. He said this, when I pray, get this, when I pray, coincidences happen. And when I do not, they do not. Coincidences. Alicia's not here today. She's up in Nashville. My daughter and son-in-law are moving to Nashville. She's a writer. She just took a really good job, a really good step up for her. They're moving to Nashville. Um, It's bittersweet. I will be going to Nashville. (laughs) My son has already lived there for about a year. Um, He's doing some freelancing and music and video and some other things. My kids love the Lord. They serve the Lord. They seek the Lord. And they had peace and direction to go that. So I'm, I'm all in. Now, all I want for my kids is the will of God. That's all I want. I was kind of hoping the will of God would be like here, but, um, but that's all I want. I want the will of God for them. And we've watched so many little things happen for all of them. Little coincidences and my son's been there a year and now my daughter my son-in-law they went up a couple weeks ago to secure housing and didn't plan it this way but they now live three blocks apart little little coincidence there they happen and all over our life never surprised always amazed answers are always coming but you can't say that if you don't pray you can't pray if you're chewing your nails up, you know, up into your knuckles. You know, cause you just, I don't know what we're going to do. I know what I'm going to do. I, I got somebody I need to go talk to about this. Pray. Pray for a change. Pray for a change. The church, and let me yell at y'all just for a minute. Not really. The church, and by church I don't mean just us. I mean all believers everywhere individually and all churches everywhere corporately. And especially in our culture, and stay with me just these last few moments, especially in our culture, with all that's going on in our world, I'm very concerned, and, and we're, we're going to come out of this, okay, but listen to me. I'm very concerned because here's what the church has dumbed down their role to, is to be a spectator 
and a commentator. So the church watches everything that goes on and then makes their noises. Mm, mm. And then comments. And when was that ever given to us as the role of the church? The church is not to be spectator and commentator. The church is to be a player in the world. And the church is to be a prayer in the world. And there's power in prayer. And prayer can change things. Let me tell you, and I'm not cussing here, I'm just telling you the truth. Let me tell you when all hell will break loose. It's when the church is taken out of the world by the rapture. The rapture. Until then, lawlessness is held back. But it doesn't need to be a church that's wandering around. There's things happening on our watch and all we're doing is watching. When instead, it's not that hard and it doesn't take forever. It was an unusual event where Jesus said, could you not tarry with me one hour? That was unusual. That's like marathon. I'm telling you, things will happen. Your life will change. Families will change. Situations will be blocked. They'll try to hurt you if you take moments of prayer and connect with an almighty God. Are y'all hearing me? Our job is not to spectate. Well, look at the world. Look how evil. Look how bad. Look, should we be surprised? Spectating and commentating. Relieve yourself of that. And instead, with all that's going on in the world, let's be players in the world. We're here. God left us here for, for now. And let's be prayers in the world and pray for a change. I got to finish this up. We're going to really learn how to pray. I mean, cut loose in prayer. And that does not mean weird. And it doesn't, it doesn't mean hard. We're going to learn how to be confident and humble in prayer. So that you can pray and it will affect your dreams, your needs, your hurts, your family, your situations. And it really will make a difference. But also, God is calling us to go up to another level of prayer. And let me explain that just real quick. Folks, we've got a city to impact. Amen. We've got a region to reach. We've got a world to touch for Jesus. Are are y'all even hearing me? Can y'all hear me? We've got a city to impact. We've got a region to reach. We've got got a world to touch for Jesus. Are y'all hearing me? And we're going to have the best systems and and get the best people. And and we're going to do it with all of our heart. But that won't be enough. It's going to take the wind of God, the touch of God, the move of God. We've got to pray to make things happen. And we're going to be a people that pray. I said, we are going to be a people that, that pray. Amen. 65% of Marion County has no church affiliation. I'm not even interested in trading Christians with other churches. Did y'all hear me? I'm not interested in trading Christians with other churches. It happens all the time. There's 65% of our county. It's not in church. Let's pray about that. I said, let's pray about that. The disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. Let that be your first prayer as we start a new season of prayer. And as you pray, you're joining forces and becoming a powerful, powerful foursome with the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, you, and the armies of heaven. Let's pray for a change. Let's pray for a change. I want to give you one last thing, and then we're going, to, we're going to finish this morning. I want you to hear it. I want you to think about it. You'll be able to remember it very easily. I want you to hear it. I want you to think about it. And I want you to act on it today, okay? Act on this, please. Here's what I want to share with you. 
The real secret of prayer is secret prayer. I'll say it one more time. The real secret of prayer is secret prayer. I double dog, triple dog dare you to just get alone with God and say, God, this is bothering me. God, this hurts. God, I'm worried about this and lift it up to him. And we're going to share some tools and some things over the next few weeks that are going to help you so you can totally be confident in prayer. And he said, call to me and I will answer you. And we've got to make sure that we're doing our part, that we're praying, praying for a change. Did y'all get anything at all out of this today? Thank you, Lord.